Welcome to Quiver Financials, Investors in the Red Zone, what you should be doing now in a bear market and recession. It is September 2nd, and it is steamy and hot all over. End of summer, Labor Day weekend. Justin is ready for some football. Gentlemen, welcome. We have so much going on in the markets. Everybody's wondering, was it a bear market rally? Is it over? Are we in a bear market? Is a recession coming? Is inflation over? Has it peaked? You know, if there's opportunities, what should I be looking for? If I'm retiring soon, what should I be doing? Right? Because that's a big red zone. Or, hey, if my health is changing, you know, let's say I've got something going on with my health and I may need some of my money in the future, what should I be doing now? And if you're concerned about a market decline and how that affects your net worth, and you want to sidestep it, what you should be doing now. That's what we're talking about today, folks. We're talking about if you're in the red zone, what you should be doing now, considering that we're in a bear market, that's pretty obvious, and we've got a recession that they say isn't there, but it's there, folks. So Patrick Moorhead, Justin Singletary, Colby McFadden, we welcome you all. Gentlemen, how you doing on this hot Friday? I'm ready to kick off the football season. Let's go. It's red zone time, baby. Let's do it. Hopefully you pick a winning team some point in your future. (laughs) (laughs) Although I shouldn't say that. My you know, Mikey, my son, his that Chargers are his team. So you're you're in good company with Mikey. I'm a Rams guy. Patrick, you got a team? You would be a Rams guy. I on that bandwagon. Well, you listen, it was it was the Rams when I was growing up, Anaheim, baby, and then and, and, and they left us. But, you know, that's okay. They came back, and uh, they won. So we're happy. I I got tickets to the Chargers, but I'm not – I don't know. I, I just like football. I like watching football. So I'll take <laughs> who's, ever, who's ever entertaining. Which one of us is lame? <laughs> what did you say, Justin? I missed that. Said, so which one of us is lame? People who have a team versus the one that's like, ah, I like football. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, Patrick's the lame one on that one. <laughs> but I like football but, until hockey starts. And oh, then there you go. Football there's, can go away. There's a real sport. There's a real sport for yep. sure. Yeah, skills and all. All right, so let's jump into this because you know it's a Labor Day weekend, and it's, it's uh, let's get to the beach. Let's uh, it's the freaking weekend. Let's get some fun going. So we really wanted to share because there's so much going on in in markets. First of all what is the red zone, right? So, so every month we put out a publication, the red zone, it's targeted for certain people, which are the ones who need to be paying attention to their money the most. And it's when you need use of your investable assets within maybe the next five years. So Patrick, Justin, let's give a couple examples of this because we see this all the time. Uh, one example could be Barbara. Um, and Barbara, retiring nurse, 70 years old, getting ready to retire at the end of the year. And she already knows that she's going to need to supplement her social security. And she has a small little pension from a job a long time ago. Um, And it covers most of her monthly nut, but she's going to need to supplement her income with her 401k. So what does she do right now? Because retirement's around the corner, right? So Justin, Patrick, have you seen a client like Barbara recently? 
Go ahead, Patrick. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm seeing oh, some clients I, who are so, are so much, so much enthusiasm around Barbara, <laughs> and that's my mother. That's a picture of my mother, gentlemen. That's, that's a that's a key one. But I'm seeing more clients who are, you know, approaching in retirement, you know, in the next five years, and are or should be cautious and worried about what's going to happen in this bear market because, you know, you're going to be have a good potential, you know, as we were talking about going into retirement, that if you do the right things now and plan, you know, before the retirement actually happens. So I'm seeing a lot more that are kind of perking up and seeing opportunity that they should be doing now before, before they even get close to retirement. Well, that's good. It sounds like they're optimistic. Yep. Good. Yeah. And we've, uh, we just recently had a client that uh, approached us, you know, Colby and I about, you know, is she, can she retire? She's in that red zone. And, um, you know, we had to go through her whole list of things and, and questions and make sure that uh, she was prepared and ready for that. And based on our analysis and everything that we came back with, she's ready to retire. She could keep working if she wanted to, but, you know, with everything she has and accumulated and also what her needs are going to be, uh, we gave her the, the red light slash green light. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can do it, but think of these things. Yeah. I mean, and I'll tell you, you bring up a good point, Justin, is like, this is like, if you're a Barbara, this is the time that, that, you know, talking with your advisors and more importantly, making sure your advisors have good tools and, and experience really does matter because bear markets are surprising in a lot of bad ways. And the first trick to a bear market is acknowledging that you're in it. And that's usually for most professionals, the hardest thing to do is to, and most investors that are, amateurs the hardest thing to do is 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 switch up so having somebody who can ask the right questions like good intake asking questions about your income needs your goals everything from the aspects of are you going to need money in the next year or two for some big expense uh, for like a car or whatever it may be you know getting all that understanding going into a bear market and into your last years of working is really really key in creating a peace of mind and optimizing every angle that you can for, for retirement. Well, and you know, go ahead, Patrick. Yeah. I was just going to say, you bring up the good point of be proactive. Don't yeah. you know, sit on your hands. I hear a lot of people, you know, that yeah. are with other advisors. They're just like, well, I don't even want to look at my statement right now. That's not mm -hmm. the right move that you should be <laughs> making at this stage of the game. So. Yeah. Yeah. If you're, if you're paying somebody to tell you not to look at your mm -hmm. statement, you need to find somebody else right <laughs> i mean i mean i want everybody to look at our statements right now please look away um they, they look damn good all right so you know here's the thing though is is you know the red zone isn't just somebody retiring um you do this business long enough like we have you find other people like robert and you know robert's 84 years old and he approached us and knows that things are changing in his health and he's starting he's at the point in life where where he's, you know, forgetting where his keys are, which is totally different than forgetting what your keys are for. Um, but he knows that, you know, based on family history, that that memory decline is 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 imminent. And um, he knows that also that his personal expenses around healthcare costs over the next five, six, seven years could get pretty exorbitant, especially because Robert's married and he lives a good life and he's saved some good money. And if he's, he's already expressed and said to us, Hey, if I got to go into a, a nursing home, you know, or a, a board and care or something like that, 
I've done my homework. It's going to be twelve, thirteen, fourteen thousand dollars a month because I don't want a little room. I want two rooms. I'm used to having some space, right? And and so you know, he knows he's got a couple million dollars, but he knows at at fifteen grand a month he could go through that pretty quick. Um, so that's another person in the red zone. Is is if your health is declining and you have something coming up down the pipeline, now it's really important to make sure you protect your money because you don't want to come to that health point and not have enough to get you through that phase. Yeah, I think this really brings in the importance of having a plan. All mm-hmm. of the things that we were talking about all kind of come together as a plan, whether you're Barbara retiring or soon to be retiring, or Robert already retired going through some things is having that plan, talking with your advisor and building out a plan because Considering where we are in the market cycles of things, you know, Colby and I mentioned a lot to clients and prospects that, you know, the next five years could be, you know, somewhat painful and all that money you worked hard for could easily start to, you know, look less and less and less depending on where we are in the cycles of things. So I think having a plan and sticking to the plan, knowing that you're going to pivot a little bit from here, you know, from time to time, but the plan's pretty important. Yeah. And that's where guidance matters. And, you know, not to toot our, keep tooting our horn or give a commercial, but, you know, there, there's something that you learn sitting across 500 kitchen room tables, you know, over 25 years, when you sit across the table from over 500 different people, Barbara's and Roberts, you see a lot of different circumstances and you see what they go through and you see the different kind of resources that people can use. So all of us are a great resource for anybody going through these phases because we've seen it before and, and we have, you know, ideas and knowledge and experience and tools that can help you. Well, so gentlemen, as, as much as we see in the differences, we know the, you know, the top five expenses that everybody's going to face and healthcare is in that top five. So it's planning for those top five expenses that are key to retirement. Yeah. Yeah, I hope my top five expenses are like every vice in that could ever exist, and then I never have to worry about healthcare. Um, right. Just just go out with like a light bulb, just and be done. But I don't I don't think life is that easy, right? <laughs> All right. So if if you're a barber, if you're a Robert, you got similar situations. Why is it important to pay attention? Why is the red zone so important? Um, well, the first thing is is you always got to remember sequence of returns. Sequence of returns is what you earn one year after another after another. The only way you create the eighth wonder of the world, which is compound interest, is to have a solid sequence of returns. You don't get compound interest by earning 10% one year, losing 20 the next, earning 10, lose five, earn 10, 10, lose 10. You get sequence of returns and compounding, even if it's small, earn three, four, 5% consistently every year is better than big spikes and valleys. Sequence of returns is key in, in the red zone because when you're in the last few years of, you know, like when you're five years away from needing your money and you come into a bear market like right now, if you look at the past bear markets, let's say 2000, well, from 2000 to 2003, NASDAQ lost 70% of its value. Everybody loved Microsoft, but it took 15 or 16 years for Microsoft to get back to the value that it was in 2000. Right. So if you take big declines two, three years before retirement, two, three years before needing your money for health care and bear markets are the only thing that 
creates large declines, then you know those large declines really mess up your sequence of of returns and can completely derail your plans. And and we we did an article about this. You know, a guy by the name of Tom, who back in two thousand went through probably one of the worst scenarios of sequence of returns and. We have it in our newsletters and our archive. It's a great story if you want to know what not to do. So another way, another way to look at that is we've had bull markets last longer than bear markets. True. Bear markets have, into your point, a much more drastic effect on your portfolio because it takes that extra effort to come back from them. So even though bear markets are shorter, it still balances itself out to about the same if you ride it, you know, in go straight through the markets. So taking yeah. advantage of the bear market is going to be key for exactly what you're saying. Yeah. And if you think about how many people probably entered this market post 2018, which isn't that far ago, but there's been a lot of growth since then. Yeah. And in this particular bear market, what if, what if you erased all the growth from 2018? What if you erased it from 2016? Very, that would be normal bear market behavior. Um, you know, if you entered the markets in 2019, 2020, those, you know, the, 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 those are pretty big negative sequence of returns, if that's the case. So it's, it's the people that came late to the game um, that need to be paying attention the most. Yep. So then the other thing is, you know, here's, you know, and Justin and I were talking a lot about this yesterday, and I was talking with uh, Susan, who was, is a new client and is, is retiring, has a similar situation to what we're talking about here. And, you know, I was sharing with both of them that, yeah, your timing's perfect. If you're a retiree, like right now, if you're working with guys like us that are tactical and strategic and, and understand bear markets, your timing couldn't be better. I mean, if you're working with somebody who's a buy and hold person, you know, your you, you, timing's horrible. But if, if you understand bear markets and you're tactical and strategic, this is one of those times that some of the greatest investment opportunities are right in front of us. It's just lasting, you know, like surviving until that moment. So like when properly managed the red zone and a bear market, when they coincide, it sounds like the two worst things that could happen, like a perfect storm. They're actually ideal for people that are willing to be thoughtful and patient in the allocation of their portfolio and deploying um, money. So it's really a unique and interesting opportunity right now, as long as people can keep themselves safe in the short term. So I, I really like being in the red zone at this particular time when most people are, are scared of it. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, with the market, I mean, outside of this year specifically, but, you know, up until, you know, the beginning of this year, you know, 401ks, IRAs have never been higher. Everybody's, you know, felt really good in their pocket, pocketbook or at least retirement accounts. And if they haven't, they should have been. Yep. Um, you know, so if there is a, if there was a time now would be a good, you know, it's a good time to start really taking a look at those things, talking to somebody like us, you know, who's paying attention to the little nuanced things, but yeah, being strategic, being tactical is very important. I had a funny conversation that you, you, you saying that Justin reminded me of a funny conversation I had with somebody recently get, you know, they're, they're in the red zone. Um, but they were one of those people that loved to always look at the past, like how things were. And they were telling me, yeah, you know what? 
I'm going to make a change to my 401k when it gets back to where it was like in January. Like, you know, they were like, oh, I was at X, you know, and when it gets back there, I'll make my change. And I sat them down and I was like, hold on a second. Let me explain full market cycles to you. Realize this this bull market started at the devil's bottom, 666, right back in, in 2009. And it's gone all the way to over 4,600. That's a huge run, right? We're at 4,000 today, right around that level. I mean, in the grand scheme of that whole marketplace, if you were participating in the last 10 years, exiting around these levels because you need to just like err on the side of safety, like an insurance policy, historically is not a ex- bad exit place, right? Because you're, you're, you're still capturing 80% of you know, what, what's happened in the past, assuming that you're you know, participating over a, a longer time frame. So it's really important for people in the red zone to keep this in perspective. Like, is it, is it worth risking 30% downside so you can gain back 4 or 5%? Right. You know, probably not. Say that? I had this similar conversation that, you know, I told him, I said, you know, you're down, but if you think about it, even for the last three years, you're still up. So take advantage of those last two years of up and just eat the last six months of down. Yeah. It's a really good time to keep things in perspective and to like zoom out and look at it from a broader perspective and not get so microscopic and don't be a freaking control freak. This is not the time. I mean, let us be your control freaks. We're very, you know, passive aggressive about it we're nice about being control freaks so let yeah, us don't, do let, that. don't let greed become a, a pitfall for your portfolio yeah yeah i mean uh well, i always I say that you should be psychologists back to 46 it's getting back to 46 <laughs> i i always say financial advisors should be psychologists because we have to cl- control clients emotions more than anything else yeah and our financial own psychologists for sure yeah well, that's the advantage. The advantage we have is we can be non-emotional in certain cases. I mean, we still are, but it, it makes it easier. Um, all right, so let's let's transition. If if you're in the red zone, you know, and you understand why it's important to be paying attention. Now, what do you do? Like, I mean, the whole point of this title, right? What do you do now in a bear market with a recession right in front of you? If you're in the red zone, you're a barber, you're a Robert, you 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 see the value of this. What the heck do you do right now? And I'll tell you, it, I, I would look at my portfolio and knowing how these bear markets work, the first thing that I would do is I'd get rid of any crap. Like this is when you get light. And I'd go through and I'd get rid of any companies that either didn't understand exactly what they did. Um, I definitely would get rid of anything that lacked positive cash flow because in a bear market, Companies aren't going to go be able to go back to the capital markets to fund themselves through secondaries and things like that. And if they do, it's going to be at much lower prices. Um, so companies that don't have cash flow are going to be really hamstrung. Companies that do have positive cash flow, so think value, 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 big company value, um, they're going to be in a position to take advantage. Like think about the energy companies right now that have a lot of cash. And if all these ESG companies and wind and solar and all these things can't keep raising money because they don't make money on themselves, imagine the opportunity that opens up in that space for companies with cash flow to go buy all these new technologies that start to suffer in this bear market, right? So that's where I'd be thinking uh, from a strategy standpoint is I'd be looking at my portfolio. I'd get rid of anything that relies on investor money to survive, that doesn't have cash flow in itself. 
Um, and I'd be really keeping an eye on the sectors or industries that seem to have a rising tide that are the that the old school guys could come in with their money and start to pick up assets. And so you got to be kind of contrarian in thinking like everybody thinks, oh, Exxon, Mole, Chevron, all those guys are the oil companies. Well, you know, you might be surprised at how they become energy companies and energy comes from a lot of places. So I like stuff like that. Um, do you guys agree? Do you, would, or would you do the opposite? You're going to take the other side of that trade? For mutual funds, you know, a lot of advisors like to pump in a lot of mutual funds and take those mutual funds and exactly look at those stocks that you would dump and see how many of those mutual funds own those stocks as well and make sure yeah. you're, you're eliminating those mutual funds that overlap. Yeah, you bring up a good point. In a bear market, what you don't want, you don't need 10 mutual funds that all do the same thing. Yep. Like, yeah. you, you know. You don't need even in a bull market. You don't need ten mutual funds. That do but, but at least in a bull market, if you have ten mutual funds that all own the same stocks, at least they're going up, right? Yeah. But this is when, as an investor, that diversification. No, 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 no. That's not a lot. Enough. You can't just rely on diversification. You got to look at the correlation of the assets in your account, and so that comes in number two. So you gave people a great tactical tool, uh, Patrick, in how to make number two work in the sense that most people can't short the market. It's not appropriate for them. Most people aren't going to use inverse funds and things like that. So if I was an individual person with limited tool sets, I would be increasing my cash reserves to a level that at least balances my risk. So, you know, if I had $500,000, I'd be really looking for any way that I could increase my level of cash to about 250 and keep 250 working. Um, and I know in a bear market that that 250 that's still out there is probably going to take on water and lose. But at least then I can focus on recovery rate because if I got a big chunk of cash and sometimes in investing, you just can't avoid the loss, right? So if that's the case, you take on the water now and when the market bottoms and you start getting signs of things turning there again, you know, come to us if you need that kind of help. Um, if you need forward looking advice, then come to us. We'll let you know when to put that cash to work. And at least then your recovery rate will be twice as fast, presumably. Okay, like that's, your recovery rate is going to be significantly faster, presumably, than if you didn't do something like that, if you just kept all your money invested and wrote it down and back up. So this is where investors need to embrace a little bit of risk and understand that sometimes drawdowns aren't horrible as long as you have cash to recover quickly. So, you know, Patrick, you brought up a good point. If somebody has a portfolio of 20 mutual funds, this is how do you increase cash? Well, you start looking through and look for the ones that have a lot of overlap and duplication in their holdings and, and clip some of them. Clip the worst performers that have the same stocks as the best performers um, or similar holdings and create your cash and go from there. Um, and a lot of times people will bring up then, yeah, but what if I have capital gains tax? Well, okay, then we've got to do an analysis. But you got to just, to determine, is it better to give up 20% of some of my capital gains to Uncle Sam or give 30 or 40% back to Mr. Market? That's, that's everybody's decision around that kind of stuff is different, right? But that's the kind of analysis that, that people would have to do if they have a tax you know, uh, question around increasing cash. Yeah, I think if we go back to our examples of, you know, Barbara and Robert, you know, I think uh, Barbara 
to your point, moving 50% to cash and having that in reserves seems like a very good strategy. Um, I think for probably somebody like Robert, you may want to even increase that to maybe 75% cash just because of where we are in the overall cycles of things. Because, you know, what does his runway look like versus Barbara's time frame? I see what you're saying. You're saying since he's older, maybe be a little more conservative. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I also think, though, too, sometimes guys in Robert's situation, they have that higher level of capital gains. We've seen that before. Just yeah. people come in, they go, oh, man, I've made so much on my Boeing and this and that. I don't want to sell it. And it's like, oh, OK, but, you know, let, let's analyze, you know, me. And you don't have to sell everything. You know, sometimes the analysis is we sell enough to be able to create a hedge on the rest of it. And that, that's what's important for people to understand. The reason you go to professionals is we can think of things that you wouldn't have. And it's like, okay, well, you don't need to sell everything. Maybe we just sell what's needed so we can create a hedge in the portfolio to offset what we know is probably at risk and going down. So there's a lot of ways to do this. I think we should kind of caveat it. If your advisor isn't thinking tactically like this too, and they're just sitting and buy and hold because they – you know, they don't want to put you in cash or do some of these strategies because if they're in cash, they're not getting paid. It's maybe time to start reevaluating your advisor as well, whether it be with us or whoever. But if they're not tactically thinking or reaching out to you to try and do some strategies to take advantage of this, it's, it's time to maybe start thinking on your own of other alternatives. Yeah, here's an example of that we, we got a new client this week and, and, we went through their portfolio and, and they're being charged, a, 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 you know, a handsome fee. And um, it's all individual stocks. And every stock was bought in 2014, uh, 13 and 14. So, you know, the advisor bought these things and has been sitting on them and good stocks. They've all gone up. Client reached out to him recently and said, hey, I'm concerned uh, for X, Y, Z. What should we do? And, and the response from the advisor was, ah, no, we don't we don't try and strategically or tactically move around these things you're in good quality stocks and you're just going to have to ride this through right and you know so then that raised in the question and the client was like well wait a second if i'm paying you you know one and a half percent or two percent or whatever the fee was in the account and you bought stuff in 2013 which is 10 years ago almost and you haven't done anything since you know are you man are, what, what am i paying you for where's where's the value at yep. right um, and so this is one of those times as, as a consumer that you really have to start to press on your advisors to make sure you're getting the value that you should be getting. And this is the time that they should be delivering the most value of ever. Yeah. So making, making all those bucks. Yeah. Well, and you know, this is the other thing is advisors should be thinking like this. They should be thinking, Hey, if you do create that cash, and when we're ready to put it back to work, what do you do? How do you do it? Well, if, if it were me dealing with people in the red zone, I'd go up the capital stack, which means rather than owning equities right off the bat, I'd probably start looking for some deals in the corporate bond market. Um, and Justin will share with you a little bit of why that is. But essentially, at the end of the day, most of the time in, in, in bear markets, your first opportunities as things start to bottom is in the corporate bond space and then eventually equities and such. Um, also moving up the capital stack is when you're a bondholder in certain bonds, the investment can be secured. So if the company does fail, um, there's a chance of recovery. Whereas if you're a stock shareholder, you're going to go to zero. So going up the capital stack just helps um, reduce risk 
But if done right and at the right time, you can still get some pretty damn good opportunity for growth of double digits. And, you know, we've been able to do this a few times. I want to go back to uh, point number two really quick. And I know a lot of the people that are going to be listening to this. Typically, we're probably talking about your 401k. So, yes, for those of you that have maybe an individual account or a non-qualified account, you know, if you do have capital gains and selling that, there is going to be some tax consequence. Now, if you have a 401k moving to cash and some of those other things, talking to your advisor about that you know, is a different story versus somebody with an individual account. And I think that's, you know, somewhat important because, you know, yeah, we don't want to just scare everybody away that, hey, capital gains is going to come and eat you alive. Well, that's not the case if you're in a retirement account, an IRA, 401k or those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, But uh, I just wanted to get that across there before we went on to, I know you were talking about well, point number and three you can here. get financial advice on a 401k as well too. There right. are advisors that can give you help to optimize yeah. your 401k. Sure. Sure. Right. Yeah. And when it comes to selling and moving money around, always ask your tax person and your advisors, you know, just, just double check. It's, it's never, never listen to three douchebags like us on YouTube and, or Spotify and just, yeah. And just run out and do whatever we said, because, (laughs) you know, what, I mean, somebody who's 30 or 40 years old, some of these things don't matter, right? Like if I was a 30 year old, I'd be like, yeah, what do I care? I'm just going to, you know, keep making money and buy everything I can. Um, So, you know, realize these things are specific for certain people. All right. So, well, really quick before we sure. move on to point number four. So yeah, if, uh, for those of you that are listening to this, I think I would encourage you to go and look at the charts and you can go look at J&K is a good example. Um, you can see that in tw- was it was 2020 when we went into our little dip from COVID, you can see that the um, corporate bond market hit their bottom before the S&P did and started its recovery before the S&P did. And we're kind of in a similar situation. So if you go look back three, four years, track out what's happening, you can start to see that the corporate bond market definitely is giving you an indication as to potentially a bottom before the other markets, mainly the equity market is. Um, So I just wanted to kind of point that out. I think it's important. Oh, I had to chart in there too, to give people a visual, but go ahead. You know, we were, you know, Colby, since the time I've been with you, I mean, we've only had, what, two, three, I've been with you six years now. So we've only had two opportunities to start buying corporate bonds. Yeah, I think it might be Like you were saying, moving up the capital stack and looking at where things are. I mean, it's, you know, we we had a really good chance at that back when COVID hit. Unfortunately, that was because of a pandemic, but whatever, it opened up the door for us to be able to build out some corporate bond ladders that, you know, in a very short period of time, recovered, um, collected a coupon, and uh, then we're able to sell it, you know, at a pretty good price. So I I think that um, those are definitely areas you should be looking at, or at least like we were saying when throughout this whole thing, talking to your advisor about. Yeah, I learned a long time ago from a good mentor that um, when institutional money managers are frisky when they're taking on risk. Um, you're going to see it in the charts as far as JNK and the small caps will be leading. And when they get risk adverse, then you're going to see JNK or things like HYG. So basically the 
the corporate high yield bond type of indexes or ETFs that you can use to track these things, those in the small caps like IWM, they'll lead to the downside. And you can see that in the charts. And I'll add some charts and post to, to give everybody a visual of that. So just, Patrick, you have a smug look on your face. You look I like just you always know. laugh, you know, J&K, it's called the junk bond market when it's corporate bonds of pretty, some pretty high investment grade companies that, you know, it just, it makes me laugh that they call it junk bonds when I feel more secure in something like that than equities, you know, or some of the yeah. other type of deals. It's just, yeah, yeah, you can thank Michael Milken in that time frame for that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, but now it's become, you know, it's it's a huge market. Whereas, but you have to remember the corporate bond market and like that kind of stuff is is pretty young to to individual investors. Um, well, it doesn't but, get any of the glory like the equity market, like we always say in our videos. No, no, but people Nobody don't realize about bonds. <laughs> yeah, people don't realize the fixed income market is significantly larger than the equities market. And the fixed income market is a much smarter, more you know, forward-looking because when you loan people money, you, you dig deeper and do more different kinds of research that tends to be more forward-looking. Um, whereas equity guys are momentum-driven. You know, they don't, they don't, as long as it's got momentum, they're going to go with it. Yep. Um, all right. I, you know, here's one that I'm seeing out there. Let's say you're a little more conservative or you're, let's say you're one of those people that says, yeah, but Colby, if I increase my cash reserves and you tell me this bear market could last six months or a year and inflation's running at eight or nine percent, then my cash is going backwards. I'm losing money, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Well, sometimes that's the price you pay for safety. But if you're really that sensitive, then, OK, well, with rising interest rates, any tax-free bonds that were pretty much issued in the last couple of years could be po possibly trading at a discount. So maybe if you need a place to park some of that cash and you're super sensitive to, to all the things I just mentioned, um, then yeah, maybe if your risk tolerance matches, um, look at a bond ladder, um, look at tax freeze, realize you're taking interest rate risk. Rates keep going higher. You're not going to be the happy with the performance of it, right? Because so for those people that are like, yeah, but inflation, I don't want my money earning zero. Well, even if you go into tax freeze or treasury bonds, you know, you can lose if interest rates go keep going higher. So even in this environment, low risk is not risk free. That's important to remember. And, and so when somebody says something's low risk, it doesn't mean it's void of risk. It just means, you know, it, it tends to be less volatile than other things, you know, that. Risk and volatility are more of a match in, in mentality than risk and loss or risk and gain or whatever it may be. So that's an area I would keep my eye on if I wanted to create some yield out of my cash. Um, and because there are some opportunities that have opened up there recently that I've seen. Um, and most importantly, I mean, this is really the last and key point before we wrap this up, is this is the time that if you're in the red zone, you need to be increasing your sphere of knowledge and influence. Like, like this is the time that you need to keep like listening and searching for new ideas. Now, be careful at the same time. This does not mean you sign up for every subscription that wants to sell you bullets, butterfingers, and tells you that the dollar is going to go to zero and, you know, you should become a doomsday prepper. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about there's some very good quality people out there, guys like George Noble, guys like... Um, Lance Roberts, guys like us, there's a lot of good quality people out there that are looking forward and trying to give people 
good advice for free and they're on places like youtube and spotify as well as there's a lot of scumbags as well right but but if you want good quality people to help you increase your sphere of knowledge to help you become more strategic more tactical reach out to us because i'm more than happy to share you share with you the people that we look over their shoulder the people we rely on for research and information um, because over the last 20 odd years, we've come across a handful of really good people that that, that are helpful and we're happy to share it, too. And some so, guys, as we wrap it up, what else you got? Well, people to maybe watch out for to not follow are oh, it's kind point. of the thing of uh, avoid the noise. There's going to be people coming out of the woodwork, pushing annuities, saying how, you know, interest rates are the best they've ever been. Your return on annuity is going to be the best it's ever going to be. Um, which, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it, but it's it historically is the worst time as interest rates are rising to be buying an annuity. And there's going to be a lot of salesy pitches and a lot of people really pushing and very convincing because it's the guaranteed aspect of it to not avoid any downturns in the market. But we encourage people to be cautious when it comes to any annuity sales that are going on. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, it's, uh, you know, in, in, in 1999, nobody wanted to buy an annuity, right? When the NASDAQ was reaching the peak and there was a new paradigm of the world is all internet, right? Everybody wanted Janus mutual funds, Janus 20 and things like that. Uh, 2003, when the NASDAQ traded 70%, you couldn't sell anybody a NASDAQ stock or a Janus fund, but boy, you could sell them a fixed index annuity like there was like it was like going off the shelves like hotcakes right um because everybody was like oh i want something that i'm guaranteed on right and back then the index annuities really had an interesting pitch because like the regulators hadn't really cracked down on them yet and so they still were still kind of pitching the index annuities as oh you can get like s p 500 type of returns and uh, never lose um well you know people bought that crap here you are 10 15 20 years later and the accounts have earned nothing but three percent the whole time right um <laughs> So, so, you know, the same thing happened in, in 2006, you know, you pretty much couldn't get anybody to buy a mutual fund or an annuity, but you could get them to buy a house. Um, 2008, you couldn't get them to buy a house. You couldn't get them to buy a stock, a mutual fund, but sure could get them to buy an index annuity again. Right. And that's probably going to happen again. Like, like yes. if this bear market's bad enough, people will capitulate. The insurance salesmen will be out there with a pitch of, hey, you lost enough, you can save, and you'll be selling at the bottom, locking in losses and going into a product that won't recover. Um, and so I think that's really like recovery rate is so key is that if you take on losses right now, it's like come to guys like us so we can teach you how to recover. Don't make a mistake of putting yourself in a bad performing asset for the next 10 years because you won't recover. So I'm so glad you brought that up, uh, Patrick, because I've seen it now in my career at, le at least twice, and I would not be surprised to see it again in this in this situation. Um, all right, so let's wrap it up. Unless you gentlemen have anything else, you guys good? You think we covered enough? Beat them across the brow? Got everybody an idea of what to do now in a recession and bear market? Yep, I think right. so. Well, I'll tell you this, folks, is, is if you uh, are in the red zone and you're not subscribed, go to quiverfinancial.com and subscribe because we do a publication once a month talking about what to do if you're in the red zone. 
We also have a pretty deep archive now where you can go back and hear real life stories of other people in the red zone and how they were able to be successful with some challenges and obstacles in their way. So until next time, folks, take care. Have a great end of summer. And here comes fall, which nothing smells better than fall morning. So take care, folks.